Hello and welcome to another episode of The Long Finish. I'm your host, Tug Coker, and I'm here as always with my wife and co-host, Catherine Weil Coker. How are you doing tonight, Catherine? I'm doing great. How are you? Really good. It's episode 103 of The Long Finish. Yes. Episode 103. Yeah. We're rolling them out right now. We're getting ready. people ready for summer. We want you to have some wines to kick off the summer months. No kids. Bunch of fun. Bunch of strikes happening here in L.A. No kids. Who's getting no kids? I, you know, I don't know what that means. I mean, lots of kids. <laughs> it means. Sorry, apologies. <laughs> lots of kids. All kids. Whoa. All the time. No, this is uh, not for the kids, but uh, it's a great wine to bring with friends. This is a delicious orange wine. <laughs> orange wine. We are drinking the Hollow Wines Sunset Orange, and this is 100% Chardonnay from the Central Coast, California, vintage 2022. And you and I talked off air about an idea for this week and we said let's talk about a wine that would be fun for people to have for memorial day weekend for the parties that are taking place as we head into the summer this will be fun to pick up anytime during the summer but kicking off with memorial day weekend coming up absolutely i mean it used to be i feel like when esther's opened i don't know almost eight years ago it was rose all day right that was just like rose all day and now i gotta say it's just orange wine is the new rose it is all the time. Is that, is that really true? It is at Esther's. It is on the west side at, I think, most of the restaurants. Not all of them, but certainly at Esther's. Probably in other cities. Definitely on the east side in LA. You just can't keep orange wines in stock, especially at a certain price point. This wine flies out the shelf. Well, excited to talk about it a little bit more as we get into the episode, but let's recap what's going on in our world. And on Friday night, we talked about it. We teased it out last week that we were going to go to a Dead & Company show. We have now gone to that show, Catherine. We We did. We survived. We went Friday night, you and me. We saw our friend Jeff Rimsberg there. It was the first show of their last tour, quote-unquote. We'll see if they do another one, but that's what they said. What did you think about the show? I thought it was really fun. They played some hits. It was just like a nice jam session. I was totally enthralled with the audience. It was a real cast of characters in L.A. And the forum was super fun where we saw it, you know, close to our home and really great restrooms. So Really great restrooms. That's really the the (laughs) review that you want when you go on a night out with your husband. To a concert. Really good restaurant. Let me tell you, you navigated the whole experience very well. An experienced concert goer, it made it nice and easy for me. Well, a couple of things that we noted uh, at the forum, maybe it's happening everywhere, but we went to get drinks. We basically tapped our credit card to get into a zone that had refrigerators. And then you went into the zone to pick out your beers or wine out of the refrigerators. And then you would walk through and someone would scan it. But you never had to bring your card out again. I've not looked at my credit card to see what was actually tabulated. What, what onto did my... they scan? The um, beer or the? Did they, did they scan? Or you just they just opened it for you? They and you just walked opened down. it. Yeah, they just opened it. I don't think they scanned anything. They, you're right. There was imagine, no scanning. Imagine that going into pavilions or the grocery store and just putting your credit card out at the beginning, and then you just walk out with your cart. This may be happening in like airports and other things, but this wow. is the first time I've seen it happen at the forum. And I'm I'm scared looking at my bill because I'm sure there's some confusion where I walked out with someone else who was buying, you know, things that I 
didn't buy. Maybe that. Or also, like, now you're going to be targeted on social media and they're yes. going to send you ads yes. for Stella Artois and, you know, all these, I don't know, whatever kind of chips we bought. A couple other differences I noticed. We, I went to the Hollywood Bowl show for, for Den Company in 2021, I want to say. This was indoors, but there was still a lot of dancing in the hallways. I mean, plenty of dancing happening. Crowds dancing, 30, 30 dancing. kids, 30 people dancing, yes, you know? In it, absolutely. You did say that you felt like the music was better suited for outdoor environments. I do right? feel that. It, and also, the concert, for, I know, I'm just getting up in the years, but maybe, you know, I, I wanted the concert to start at like, you know, three, four o'clock and be well, over these, by eight. These That's, musicians are 40 years older than you. you yeah, know, 30, they, I'm sure they would like that too. And the music feels like a 5 p.m., 4 p.m. kind of music. You don't need to, I mean, you can listen to it all night, but that would have been my preference. You know, let's start it. Let's do a happy hour concert. I'm sure they would like that too. They did play four hours. I mean, yeah, four hours. Bob Weir is probably, I don't know how old he is. He might be, I mean, he might be 80. I, I don't know. Playing from 7.30 to 11.30 at night is crazy. I did request on the last episode, I'd like to hear Shakedown Street. That was the very first song they played to start the tour. I was elated. I was so happy to hear Shakedown Street as the first song. So the rest of the night was gravy for me. Everything else is going well. My Boston Celtics were taping this on Sunday night, so they're in the process of uh, getting obliterated uh, by the heat and maybe even swept like the Lakers to the Nuggets. So pretty uneventful on the uh, basketball side of the world. You and I are just gearing up, preparing for life in the summer where we got to navigate summer camps and basically a break in rhythm. Parenting is very funny because, you know, you work so hard to develop rhythms in your life. And then, you know, you have to deal with kids being ill or sick, missing a day of school here and there. You get through that. You get through, you know, the school year. Then it's basically unpredictability again. So how early did you go to a sleepaway camp? Oh, third grade. Yes, we got a couple years before we Yeah, but then, and that was only a few nights. But I I went nearly every year for quite a while. Um, You know, in high school, I did six weeks of sleep away and you always loved it right oh loved it i hated it we may have talked about this on the podcast before but i hated it in my basketball career and i played some really quality aau level basketball into college and i went to a couple camps like five star a couple other you know camps for like pretty good players and i hated uh staying there i stayed with my mom this is you in high school yeah Wow, and I stayed. I still stayed in the hotel with my mom, and I could like ease in to the rooms with my with my the other players. <laughs> how, how did you it was very go weird. away in college? I don't. I don't know. I didn't have a problem with that, but it was something mm. about the high school thing. It just t- took me a while to adjust to it. I didn't have any interest in really being away. So, anyway, so so I'm interested to see where our kids are in that spectrum because you love it, and I was like, nah. Not for me, but we're going to sh- certainly try. I certainly get why parents want to have uh, sleepaway camps exist. Yeah, I think it can be done. And maybe the earlier the better, you know, just like a few nights early on, kind of like with a really good experience gets you excited about it. That's what happened for me anyway. But I am just reminded we're not in the middle of a lockdown. So any curveball that we're getting with summer or a little sickness here and there, it's fine. It's one of the, <laughs> is a sleepaway camp experience for you, Perry Mansfield? That was a big one in, in high school, yeah. What was the one where you, went to, where you went with uh, Jessica Beal? Uh, yeah, Perry Mansfield. Perry Mansfield. Mm-hmm. And then in my between my junior and senior year in high school, I went to Spain for at least a month by myself. 
Live with a family. You were unbelievable. I didn't mind being the most interesting person in the world. Well, lots of other people do that too. Is that true? Uh, I think so. It wasn't me. I hope our kids do. I'm ready to get them started right now. (laughs) Is four too early to send the kid away to Spain for a month? Well, Bo did ask me if he could move to a new family and live with the neighbors. I said permanently, and he looked around and he said, "Well, I guess that would be a lot of stuff to move." I said, well, that's the least of my worries, but why don't you sit on that? Our neighbors, by the way, are Dave and Maki Co. They're opening, have opened a restaurant in Mar Vista. They have a very successful restaurant in Mar Vista named Little Fatty's. They've now opened Fatty Mart, and they are so busy opening this market. And we should have Dave on the show sometimes. Definitely. Dave always makes fun of me. I want to bring Dave on because he always makes fun of me. I walk around like in a daze and have three kids. He's like, you look so tired. You look so tired. But now he's opening this market, and he looks so tired and i just can't help but like rip him back because hey he has his third kid now which happens to be the market it's crazy but if you're in the la area on the west side please go check out fatty mart in mar vista Catherine selected the wines for for the market yeah they have a great selection of wines and beer the food is so good um, the pizza for sure. The pizza is unbelievable. They're opening more things now. And the now. Like, it's bento awesome. box stuff yeah. to go is all made at Little Fatty. It's really delicious. But we went on opening, so I'm sure a bunch has changed in the last week or two. But I'll have to edit that out. Well, you're not gonna edit it. <laughs> it's me. Uh, <laughs> you almost knocked one. Uh, <laughs> for those listening at home, <laughs> I'm not gonna edit this out now. I'm gonna now keep. I'm to. gonna keep this in. Because Catherine's phone almost fell down and knocked over a glass of wine on the carpet. And our carpet, knock on wood, is batting a thousand from wine spills from our kids. We did have... The kids are not spilling wine. They're not spilling wine. They're (laughs) spilling other stuff. And Catherine got so mad yesterday at our our two-year-old because he had dirty, uh, messy hands. And he tried to rub... rub, rub. uh, the, the his, we have one piece of art. We have one piece of art that is in with kids range. And sure enough, this kid ran and wiped his hands on it. Baked so beans. Mad. Baked beans. He wiped on there. That is brutal. But you know what? I'm a pro. I am such a pro at getting stuff out. I got it out. It's The art is back on the wall. <gasps> You're the best in the world at that. that. Was tough. Just so you know, I made a noise. And I'm now keeping in because I saw Catherine's phone almost knock over her wine glass. And now it's leading to us talking about spill maintenance. But it can't be that bad because, remember, we're drinking a white wine. Well, in fact, an orange, orange wine. wine. But it's not that orange. So, I mean, when you first heard the word orange wine, what did you think? Were you like, oh, it's made of oranges? I really think some people think that. I certainly didn't, but I'm sure a lot of people do. But that, you know what? That is a very Dead & Company transition back into the theme of the night. Talking about this wine... I'm really excited about it because it's got a lot of things going for it. Four parties, four trips to the beach, the color, screw top, the, the quality of the wine. Let's get into it. So what are we drinking, Catherine? Can you remind everyone what we're having? And let's talk about why it's perfect for Memorial Day weekend and beyond. Yes. So Hollow Wines. This is the Sunset Orange. And this is 100% Chardonnay on the skins from the Central Coast, 2022. It's got a great label. So it kind of looks like an old Polaroid picture taped onto a white piece of paper. That's kind of what the image is. And then it looks like handwriting that has all the details on the back. So it says 2022 Chardonnay, Central Coast, Gemelli, and Zabala Vineyards. And then it says 10 to 14 days skin contact to achieve the orange hue, wild yeast, which is native yeast, unfined, unfiltered, and vegan. 12.13% alcohol. 12.13? That's 
That's what it says. Yeah, it's wow. a very exacting. Going into the hundreds here. That number stood out to me, honestly, because this wine is very, it, it's a Chardonnay, orange wine. The texture is very light. It's very drinkable. But 12% alcohol feels high for a, a white wine, a white slash orange wine to me. Do you, do you agree with that? I, I don't know. I feel like to me it's more, that's more mid-range. And because uh, I feel like low is, you know. 11. Yeah, that's on the light side. This is more medium to me. I mean, 13 would be high, 14 would be crazy. But this feels like very normal. And Chardonnay is a neutral grape. I mean, it's why it's so beloved by winemakers because there's so much you can do with it. It speaks so much of where it's grown, where it's from, because the grape is neutral itself. There's not always, you know, sometimes in a warmer climate, it can be more pineapple and lemon curd. And in a cooler climate, you get more of apple and maybe Meyer lemon. It has medium acid, has some color, but not a ton went on in the skins. So this is sort of a a lighter orange hue, but it's not a particularly aromatic grape and it's not, it doesn't have a signature thing to it. So it's really about the color and the experience of the wine. The first thing I noticed when I looked at this wine was how cloudy this wine is. It is. I mean, it delivers, right? You've got the orange screw cap top and then this cloudy, they call it um, on the website like creamsicle. And it looks like that. It looks like a creamsicle. And we have so many customers who are looking for this exact thing. It's so funny because 10 years ago in wine, you were like, oh, you couldn't, see, you know, so hard to sell something like that. Well, how did this wine come to you? And have you had wines from this producer before? And can we learn a little bit about this producer? Yeah. So what's fun is that this is made by a small family but particularly, the winemaker is Quinn Hobbs. Quinn, gotta love that name. Do love that name. Also, he's an L.A. native. Love that. Love that. And he was, his story is that he was in this really high stress entrepreneurial career path, super crazy stressed out, ended up in the emergency room when he was like in his early 30s and just had this change of heart like, I got to do something different. You know, I need to take a different path because this is not working for me. And his wife is from Australia, from the Margaret River. And he trained with or interned with some winemakers there, came back to California and really wanted to start making wine here, but was very focused on making planet friendly wines. And when you go to their website and when you go to their Instagram, that's like the first thing you see. So they're all about making wines with minimal intervention. So this wine is naturally, as you can see, unfined, unfiltered. It's also vegan. We can talk a little bit about those things in a second. But they're only working with organic vineyards. And they're working with a company to, to try to be carbon neutral with their production to or try to offset their impact, which I think is really cool. So it plus, they just recently did an Instagram post post about their canned wines. They have a ton of canned wines, which are definitely easier on the environment. And we stock those. Sometimes we stock them at Esther's. We always stock them at Huckleberry, but they've got fun labels and are delicious. So I said this is from Central Coast. It should be more specific because it's from two vineyards. It's from the Zabala Vineyard, which is an Arroyo Seco, and the Girelli Vineyard, which is San Benito. These are really close to 
Monterey. Arroyo Seco is near Greenfield and San Benito is like east of Salinas. So these are not Central Valley wines, but they're Central Coast and you still get a lot of coastal influence. So still some like fog coming in in the morning and then getting warm during the day and then draining out and being cold at night. Both these vineyards are organic and dry farmed as well, which is a super important. And it's Chardonnay. Would you blind this to Chardonnay? No. No would, way. Would you? Nope. The thing about this wine for me and why it's probably so pleasing, and you talked about this off air, maybe you can bring it on air, about how popular it is at Bertie G's and at Esther's, is that the taste is pleasing, but there's not much there to the nose. It's not really like, it's not challenging you really in, in, in much of a way, other than the, the unfiltered quality. could be challenging to people who aren't ready for that. But really the wine is just, it goes down so easy. I mean, this is, I mean, I would, I would put this in the gluggable world. I really would. For sure. I mean, that is why it is great for summer. It's great really cold. Sometimes with orange wine, you have a bit of tannin because you're treating a white wine like a red wine, letting it sit with the skins and soak up all that good juice and some of those all the polyphenols that are in the skin and some of the tannin that's there. But this doesn't have, you feel it a little bit on your tongue, but it's not a lot. And so some orange wines, I feel like, are good cold, but not so cold because there is that little bit of tannin. But this wouldn't bother me at all. The nose is like just a little bit peachy, a little bit orange, a little bit golden apple, a little pineapple, but it's very, very delicate. And then the palate is sort of fresh. There's a little bit of coating that happens on your tongue. It doesn't linger too long in your mouth. It zips away. There's like nice acidity, but not too much. And you are drinking an orange wine. You're having that experience of drinking something that looks cloudy in the glass, you know, and isn't your mom's Chardonnay. You know, and not to get too into the weeds with winemaking, but can we talk a little bit about, that's probably the opportunity to talk about unfine, unfiltered wines why does this wine look so cloudy and what is the residue that's in the wine bottle so a wine is cloudy for two reasons one because of dead yeast that's yeast particles two because of like microbes that could be floating around in it and also sediment now this is probably a case of maybe yeast particles but pretty much potassium bitartrate or calcium bitartrate what are that basically tartrate crystals. So it's most common in a white wine because these fall out of the solution of wine when it's refrigerated. So it's potassium and tartaric acid. And these are basically like bound within the wine. But when a wine is cold for a long time, they fall out and they make these crystals at the bottom. Does that make sense? Sure. So you'll see it in other wines too. But this has been Racked. Racked is a natural, it can be a natural way without adding other chemicals to pull out substances of getting out some of that, some of the lees, most of the lees, some of the microbes. That's something that's most common in sparkling, champagne racks. Absolutely. Yeah. So what that base, what that means is just you're putting it in a vessel and this is put into neutral oak for four months letting all the dead leaves and the particles float to the bottom. And then you're taking wine from the top of that vessel and pumping it over into a new vessel, leaving the dead yeast cells in the previous vessel. 
Does that make sense? Kind of. I guess just for the purpose of the listeners at home, it's okay to drink these wines. Yes. It's okay, it's okay to drink these wines. It may look at first to you like, oh, what's in this wine bottle? But it's like, that's natural. It's totally natural. It's safe. If I'm pouring this for a customer, I'm going to pour all the way to the very bottom. I'm never going to pour a glass with all the gunk in it. But if you're at home and you're worried about that last glass or even the first glass and you don't want to do it, you can decant it into another vessel or a decanter with a cheesecloth or even a coffee filter. Usually I would rinse the coffee filter with hot water first, but then just pour it right through. And that way you're not getting the particles in your glass. I guess this is also a good question. Let's say you're at a wine bar or at a restaurant and you get poured one of the last glasses from a bottle of wine like this and you do get the sediment inside the glass. Do you drink that glass? Do you ask for that glass to be exchanged? How should a customer respond to that last glass of wine? I think there's a couple of ways. If you see it's a natural wine and they just dumped the dregs of that wine into your glass and most of your glass is the dregs, is that those particles, I think it's okay to say, hey, I love natural wine, but this is a little too chewy for me. I just still want my wine. Could I have a fresh glass, please? I think that's fine. Or could you filter this out for me? I think that's a great thing to ask for. Now, if it's a little bit hanging out in the bottom of your glass, no big deal. But we're here to drink wine, not eat it. (laughs) And I just want to be clear. Most of the time, what's floating is tartrate crystals, okay, or spent yeast. It's potassium by tartrate or calcium by tartrate. Not to get too sciencey, it's most common in white wine because these are substances that when the wine is a little bit warmer are held in the solution. And when the wine gets cold, they fall out of the solution. They fall into the bottom. It's like freezing the fat. Yes. Uh, if you're uh, Well, <laughs> I mean, think about in well, think about in science, you know, when you want things to be more liquid, you heat them up. Yeah. And when you want them to be more in crystal form, you make them colder, yeah. right? I mean, just think about ice. Although I'm sure the scientists out there are saying, no, it's shaking not their ice. heads right now, be like, what are they talking about? But here's the other thing, you know, okay, now We were also talking about unfined, okay? So really, filtered is about yeast particles and microbes. Unfined is to clean up the sediment that's in the wine. And in that case, it's a little more rigorous. You have to use a finding agent like clay or gelatin or egg whites. And you basically have that in the solution of wine. Those bind with the particles, that are or sediment and then when you're racking the wine all those things will float to the bottom just like we talked about in the racking but because you have this extra stuff in there that's charged it will have a positive or negative charge it will be you know really sticky with these extra particles that you don't want hang and they'll pull it to the bottom this wine that we're drinking right now is vegan clearly they did not use gelatin egg whites clay but people do you know you have plenty of wines that don't want a cloudy appearance that are fine that doesn't mean that all wines that are crystal clear looking have egg whites in them you know you just have to do your research the bottom line of this wine is you're going to find this wine at esters or somewhere it's going to be cloudy and it's exactly how the winemakers intended yes And it's delicious to drink, and that very last half cup at the bottom that's full of the dregs, you can just, you know, 
dump out for the earth or pour it on your flowers. <laughs> but it, here's the thing. I, I understand why people would be concerned about it, right? Because wine is in limbo. Wine is a beverage that's between juice and vinegar, right? We want it to taste like wine, not like juice or vinegar. And looking at it like that, it's like, hmm, is this kombucha? You just have to trust who you're buying it from, where you're buying it. And if it doesn't taste like wine, well, I don't know. Maybe you want to not, not go to that wine store again. And anything else that you want to mention about these winemakers or, or, or this particular wine? Have you ever tried wine from these winemakers before? How did you discover this one? Yeah. So our friend, the Garbers, uh, Jeremy, Jeremy Meyer. Meyer and Sandy Garber, his mother, they distribute this wine. And they brought them to me because they are natural wines, but that are really clean. Because that's kind of what people around town, I guess they know that I like natural, not natty wines. And so this totally fits that bill. And they're fun and fresh and they're planet forward, but without being natty. And I thought they were great. And they also have, like I said before, great canned versions of the wine as well. So we've had some of their Shore Pounder, which is a chillable red. They have fun names. This Sunset Orange, which is the Skin Contact Chardonnay. But they have other wines that are just reds or whites as well. They have a whole slew of wines. Well, let's talk about wine pairings. Other than you don't need anything for this wine. Just enjoy it at a pool or at the beach or at a picnic, barbecue. I I feel like they do have another wine that's called Porch Pounder. So I guess I can't call this a Porch Pounder, but I would. But But it's great for a poolside wine. You bring an orange wine to a party that everyone is going to like. I feel like it's a great intro to orange wine. It would be great with chips and guac and tacos and hot dogs and you name it. This is kind of like, um, I feel like barbecue chicken would be so good. You could have some oysters and seafood with this wine. It's very, very versatile. You mentioned that this is a wine that is a great starter intro for orange wines. What gives you that impression? One, it's delivering that color of orange wine. You're talking about what orange wine is. It's easy drinking. It's not super tannic. It's easy drinking. It's very easy drinking. This wine will be disappearing this evening. But where can we find this wine? Well, as I mentioned, it is by the glass at Birdie G's. It's doing really well, right? Mm, People are loving it. It is. Uh, Actually, this is at Fatty Mart, too, I think. All right. Yeah. At Esther's. But throughout California, definitely, these wines are around, and especially L.A., because Quinn is from L.A., and they just, they have a good presence here. We'll post a picture of this wine on our Instagram at The Long Finish, and you can go ask for it wherever you are in the U.S. It's a California wine, so hopefully they're bringing it to California, throughout California, but hopefully the entire United States and maybe beyond. Listen, we know that orange is the new rosé. So this fits the bill. Last thing I want to say in regards to that, in regards to that, is that it's affordable. It's in the rosé price range. I, I mean, that that's a huge it's, factor. Yeah, I mean, this wine is totally affordable, and it's fun, and it's an opportunity for people to try something I feel like is new. You're drinking something that's very pleasurable, but also feel like you're doing something unique at the same time, which is kind of what you want in a wine. All right, let's get to the last portion of the evening, which is what has been inspiring us this week. I have two quick notes. The PGA Championship, one of the four majors in golf, was played this weekend. Brooks Kepka won the PGA Championship. Why is it interesting? 
Well, as anyone who follows some sports uh, knows, recently the professional golfers tours split from the PGA Tour to some people joining what's called the Live Tour, backed by Saudi Arabia. Brooks joined that tour. It's the first time Brooks uh, or anyone has won from the Live Tour a major. But Brooks Kepa is a four-time major champion who had been in a little bit of a drought. And what's interesting, Netflix came out this year with a show called Full Swing, where they followed some golfers on their journeys on the days in and days out of their stops on tour. And his is episode two. And it's he's paired with Scotty Scheffler, who's one of the best players in the world on the PGA Tour. But Brooks's episode is, but if you watch one episode of the show, this is the one to watch because he has an existential crisis on the show about his talents, about his health, and he's in complete doubt that he'll ever be good ever again. It's really compelling. This guy is a person who's pretty closed off. Not the easiest to root for. I certainly don't root for Brooks Kepka. But after watching his episode of Full Swing on Netflix, they produce it in an amazing way. It's really compelling television. It's the only episode of that uh, of that show I would fully endorse people watching. And now you get to see full him come full circle. He won today's uh, major and his fifth major, one behind Phil Mickelson, and now a certain Hall of Famer. So there you go. Check that out. If you're interested in like sports psychology or human psychology at all, I'll check out Full Swing and see what he's done. The last thing I want to say is that we're taping this on Sunday, May 21st, and I was reading a tweet today that 43 years ago, Empire Strikes Back came out to movie theaters. Why is that interesting? Well, in our household, we are all things Spider-Man and all things Star Wars. We've watched episodes four, five, and six, and one, two, and three. And our four-year-old is especially crazy for Star Wars. He loves Empire Strikes Back. And there's a fun website called All the Right Movies. They have a great Twitter, too, which has 38 nuggets about the making of Empire Strikes Back. It's really fascinating. I encourage everyone to go check it out or listen to their podcast. But the one I thought was most interesting was the music for Star Wars Empire Strikes Back was created by the legendary composer, American composer John Williams. This is from their, their Twitter. The most famous new piece for Empire was the Imperial March. The, and our two-year-old loves it. It's the only song he sings. Ba, 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 Well, John Williams took inspiration from Polish composer Frederick Chopin's Funeral March. Can you hear the comparison? So interesting. Listen to this. Anyway, I just found that f- so fascinating that people, I mean, it's one of the most recognizable songs in movie history. And it was, you know, borrowed from one of the great composers, Frederick Chopin. I just think that was such a f- cool, inspirational nugget. We always find things, you know, jostling around in our brains for inspiration. So bringing out two things, wildly disparate things, but I thought that was inspired by both and I want to get those out. So that's me. Catherine, what do you have? That is so cool. It's so funny because I bet a lot of people hear that and they go, oh, that's the Star Wars song. When are they? <laughs> 100%. <laughs> I read this book this week that just had me laughing and just pondering a lot of things. It's called The Principles of Uncertainty by Myra Kalman, a delightful book published 2007. But Myra is, you'd probably recognize her work from being an illustrator in The New Yorker and other other magazines, but she's a designer, author. And this book, The Principles of Uncertainty, is sort of a memoir, sort of a what is life 
a little philosophical book. It it has her handwriting. It has lots of her illustrations. It's like a picture book for adults. I, I was so enjoying it and going back to it again and again. I can't wait to gift this to someone. It feels like the right thing and to have it just lying on a table for some guests to look at. But it really had me laughing and it was a complete joy, something I don't normally read that has this much illustration, but it was a delight. So check it out. All right, that's it. That's it for episode 103 of The Long Finish. Episode 103 is in the books. Thanks to everyone for continuing to listen to the show. As always, if you have a chance to rate, review, and subscribe to our show, we would love that. It would mean a lot to us. Catherine, where can they find you and The Long Finish on social media? Check us out on Instagram at The Long Finish, and I'm at Catherine Wild Coker. Still working on the YouTube page at The Long Finish. Got a couple episodes up there. We're going to really revamp this thing this summer, so stay tuned for that. And subscribe to us at The Long Finish on YouTube so that we get 50 subscribers. We can go live, do live tastings, just talk about things that we want to talk about on that platform. But stay tuned. Hang in with us. We're going to get that thing ramped up, so stay with us. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Tug Coker. That's it for episode 103. We should be back next week with a new episode. We've got some great episodes in store, fun ideas, fun interviews, so stay tuned for those. Until then, go out and get this orange wine for Memorial Day. Let's celebrate the start of summer. All right? Uh, happy drinking. Ciao.